We are coming to the end of our, hopefully not coming to the end of loving our neighbors. Hopefully we're just at the beginning of that. But we're coming to the end of our series, and, uh, and this is the third week. And you know, it's funny because a lot of things, nothing seems to be going as planned, but hey, God is greater than all that. And if we really want to move with the Holy Spirit, it won't go as planned. That's how God moves, when the Holy Spirit moves. Um, just letting you know, uh, the new series that God has put on my heart is we're going to be looking at 1 Peter over the next few weeks, looking at being resident aliens. And so that just kind of tweaks your interest a bit. We'll get into that God willing uh, next week. But I wanted to start with this story. And there was an old monastery that had fallen upon hard times. And it had become decimated to the extent that there were now only five months left in this decaying building, and the five monks were all over their 70s, and they knew it didn't look good for the future of the monastery. It looked really grim. But in the deep woods around the surrounding monastery was a little hut, and what it was was a little prayer hut that the nearby priest would come, and he would use it for prayer. So one day the abbot was so discouraged and desperate, he decided he was going to go outside the monastery, find this priest in his prayer hut, and going to ask him, what should we be doing? What are we doing wrong? How can you help us? And so the priest said, you know, he welcomed him, and he said, I can only commiserate with you. He says, I know how it is explained. The spirit has gone out of the people, and it's the same in my town. Almost no one comes to church anymore, and we're getting ready to actually close the church's doors. So the old monk and the old priest, they wept together, and they prayed together, but they didn't come up with any answer. When it was time for the monk to leave, he asked the priest for one last piece of advice that he could give him to bring back to the other monks. It was the abbot that was bringing it back to the other monks for his dying monastery. And the priest said, no, I'm sorry. Uh, the only thing I can tell you is that the Savior is one of you. Savior is one of us. When the abbot returned to the monastery, his fellow monks gathered around him and asked, well, what did the priest say? He couldn't help. He's having the same kinds of problems, the abbot answered. The only thing he did say, just as I was leaving, and it puzzled me, is that the Savior is one of us. I didn't know what he meant by that. In the days that followed, the old monks pondered this. The Savior is one of us. Well, could he possibly have meant that one of our monks here in the monastery? If that's the case, which one? They knew it wasn't themselves. And as they each contemplated this old, the old monks began to treat one another a little differently with extraordinary love and respect on the off chance that one of them just might be the Savior. Because the forest in which it was situated was so beautiful, it so happened that because, you know, people would come there and occasionally they would picnic on the tiny lawn and, and wander among its nice paths through the forest. Once in a while, they would even go into the buildings that were falling apart to meditate. As they did so, without even being conscious of it, the sense, there was a sense that there was an aura now, extraordinary love and respect around the place that began to surround these five old monks. It seemed to radiate out from them and permeate the whole atmosphere of the place. People were now attracted to the place again. Hardly knowing why, the community began to come back to the monastery, to picnic, to play, to pray. 
Its beauty drew them. It began to be such a special place that they began to tell their friends about it. And then their friends brought other friends. And I say all this to say in a few years, the monastery that was ready to close was now a thriving order. Thanks to that priest's wisdom, wisdom, a vibrant center of faith and love. So what's the point? My friends, the church can be an amazing place when it's working as it's supposed to. When we are treating one another and all people as if each person was Christ himself. When we are following the command Jesus left us, love your neighbor as you love yourself. The first week in this series, and I'll tell you that I didn't plan this. This was something that the Holy Spirit directed me as I was looking at this, what we should do. Because we started with this neighbor-to-neighbor -neighbor, uh, week here in West Prince. And then Love Atlantic was coming also. And, and, and we're finishing off the Love Atlantic across Atlantic Maritimes here. That this series came and the first thing that God directed me is, well, first of all, we need to ask that question, who is my neighbor? And so who is my neighbor? Because ultimately the Jews in Jesus' day thought that <laughs> my neighbor is just a fellow Jew. Now how often do we see that in Christendom where we think my neighbor is just another Christian? <laughs> right? And <laughs> a Christian who looks like me, acts like me, and thinks like me. And so we had that look at that the first week. Jesus, you know, what was wonderful was we looked at the story of the Good Samaritan and which of these three, Jesus said, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Jesus didn't really answer the question, who is my neighbor? Instead, he challenged the man to be what? A good neighbor. Just go and do it. To all people and anyone who has a need. So last week, we looked about the fact that when we're looking at this greatest commandment of Jesus, Jesus said that where you start, the first place you start, is your love for God. You can't go out and do social work and be socially active as a church if it's not motivated by the love of God. That's where you start. You first have to have an active relationship with God and you love Him as He loves you. And it's not an occasional relationship. It is not when it's convenient. It is all in. It is all or nothing. That's how God works. It is all or nothing. And so we are to love God with everything we have, with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it is only because we have this relationship with God that we can really love Him. This relationship with Jesus Christ. In order to fully love God, you have to love the one He sent. Jesus. You have to have this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I hear a lot of people say they love God, but yet they don't know Jesus. I can't even comprehend that. There's no such thing. Because if you love God, you love Jesus. We said that at the end of the service last week. And love Jesus, and when we have this personal relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, we've been working on Wednesday nights with Pastor Mike in that study, and this reality of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, the gruach of God, when you breathe just like you take a breath, it is the life of God, it is the life source. The Holy Spirit is now in you, giving you life and the ability to love people. All people. 
And that was what we looked at this last week. Now, this week, we're looking at the second part of this wonderful scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And read with me. And love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This is what we're looking at today. So we have our starting point with the first, <laughs> first commandment, and now we move to the second. You see, Jesus saw the two were wedded together. You had to have the two. And so this idea today that I can love God, but I don't have any relationship with so-and-so, or I won't be reconciled with so-and-so, or I won't forgive so-and-so, there is no such thing in the Word of God. Because my love for God is connected with my love for people. I love the, the, I've often said, you know, here's the cross. Right? Love for God. Love for humanity. It works, the two work together. There is no cross without the love for God and the love for humanity. And so there is this reality that we are to love. Jesus said this love of God and love of neighbor are two aspects of the same thing. It's like if you picked up a, a coin and there's two sides of the coin. He also admonishes that you love the neighbor as yourself. And this idea that whatever I would want for my own, whatever I would want for my family, whatever I would want for my health, whatever I would want for my future, whatever I would want for the past, whatever I would want, what I think about it, what I desire, Jesus says that's the kind of love you're supposed to have for other people. That you're supposed to want the best for them. That what you want for yourself, you're supposed to want for them as well. That's the way you are to love your neighbor. You want them to have success and happiness and health. Here's a point, though, that's really important. Notice that he says, there is no commandment greater than these. Jesus didn't have to say that phrase. He added it on to here. Right? He added this on that he was really trying to hone in his point. There is no commandment that applies to our lives that we need more than this commandment. Jesus didn't have to say this. He's pushing the importance of this love for God and love for our neighbor. You know, it's interesting that Pastor Mike has had this in his office for years and it's a little Ten Commandments, you know. The, there, I was looking at it this morning as I was going over my message, and it's so important. You know, a lot of people have argued so much how these need to be back in the courtroom, and these need to be back in the schools, and all those things that we used to see with the Ten Commandments. It is important to learn them. It's important to teach them to our children. Actually, all societies basically stand on the reality of people who honor these. If you study around the globe, different cultures, and even people who do not know God and pronounce faith in Him, a lot of these have been ingrained into different cultures because of the Jewish faith of the Ten Commandments. But what Jesus is saying, you want to do all that? Let me show you how you do it. Everything that you have learned, that we all talked about last week, the 613 laws that Moses gave. All of that is now brought down into the reality that you love God and you love your neighbor. I like what John Piper had to say. So there is a sense in which the second commandment, 
To love our neighbor is the visible goal of the whole word of God. Did you hear that? He said, to love our neighbor is the visible goal of the whole word of God. What did he mean by that? He says, it's not as though loving God is not here. Or that loving God is less important. Rather, loving God is made visible and manifest and full in our visibly, practically, sacrificially loving others. I think that is why he says the second commandment stands by itself when the New Testament says that love fulfills the law. Basically, what John Piper is saying here, you love God, God is invisible. I'll tell you how you show me that you love God. You love God by loving other people, by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's easy to say we love God. It's a platitude if we're not careful. Remember, we talked about the reality that God sees our hearts. As we spoke at the manor this week, uh, we talked to them about God sees the heart. Man looks at the outward. We've talked about that here in recent weeks. But God sees the heart, right? How important it is. And God sees and knows if we have genuine love for him or not. If we're all in, if we're totally committed. But the world will not know that love or see that love or understand that love. For them, it's just a mere platitude until you have love the flesh on it. And someone said the greatest message you can ever preach is you go out and you love people. You love them for Jesus. This is what this love Atlantic, giving some cookies to somebody and saying, you know, that Jesus loves you. <laughs> it's, it's that real love with flesh on it, hands on it. We used to say that God has no hands but our hands. God has no feet but our feet. God has no mouth but our mouth. And my friends, we're living in a day of chaos and confusion and hurt and trouble. And if there was ever a day that people need to know and experience the love of Christ, Today is the day. This is why this is integral. You know, it's interesting because Paul said to the church in Rome as well, back in verses, this is just verse 10, but 8 to 10, Romans 13, 8 to 10. Listen to this now. He says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Did you hear that? He who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying. And this is where he quotes Jesus. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. My friends, this is not optional. This is not something we tag on when we feel guilty and think, well, I should do some Christian activity, so I'll do something to show the love of Christ. This has got to be a genuine part of our DNA of who we are. That we love God and we love people. You know, one of the ways that it was said, as we think about loving others as yourself, is the golden rule. <laughs> do you know... <laughs> This is all over the place, and people won't give Jesus the credit. <laughs> that they don't, you know, this golden rule is around, but they don't give Jesus credit. But he said it in Matthew 7 12. So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. The golden rule tells us about Jesus' ethical teaching in one short sentence. 
If I wish to be loved, then I must give love. If I wish to be respected, then I must be respectful and respect people, even those I don't like. Hmm. If we wish to be forgiven, hear the Lord's Prayer. We must forgive. I was reading this morning in my reading about the unmerciful, the parable of the unmerciful servant. How he was forgiven such a great expense and went out and was unmerciful to others that owed him money. You know, how many times does the Lord need to say to us that if we want to celebrate and understand God's forgiveness, we must also forgive. If we wish others would speak kindly of us, then we must be people who speak kindly and avoid gossip and slander at all costs. And if we want strong marriages, we must be loyal and faithful to our spouses. If we wish to be fulfilled in our lives, we must share generously with others. If we wish to reap the rewards of our Heavenly Father's love, we must truly love all people. Treating others the way you have been treated, he says, is the law and the prophets. I think Jesus means this, that when you see people love like that, they fulfill this golden rule, and it's as if everything that's been written in here is fulfilled. Now, hear me right. It's important that we know this and share this and live this. But he's saying it's one thing to know this and share this without love in your heart. It's just a bunch of rules and regulations. It's about all that we learned all our lives, what we were told. We just do it because we do it. Jesus says, No, my friends, the prophets and the law are totally fulfilled. When you love God, and you love your neighbor. Loving God is invisible. It is an internal passion of the soul. But it comes to expression in the way that you love others. We talked a while back about the love in here is where it starts. Because they will know that we are his disciples by the love we have for one another. But that love is now not just to be in here, but it flows out to those nearest us. Because Jesus uses this term uh, neighbor, and the neighbor in the original is the ones nearest to you. So here's the challenge today. Who is nearest to you? Who's your neighbor? Who's the person you work alongside? Who's the person that you, you go out and you, and you work out at the gym together, or you go and play soccer, or another parent on a soccer field? Who are those people, those working on your farms, who are those people that are nearest to you in this moment? And Jesus is saying, well, now, how can you love them? How can you show love, my love, towards them? And so loving others is the visible measurement of our invisible love for God. John 13, 34 to 35 says that you love one another by this, as we said, all will know that you are my disciples. 1 John 3, 18 to 19 says, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. So what's some practical ways that we can love? 
It was interesting, the Church of the Nazarene put this together, and it's just very, very practical, because if not, this is kind of out there, a nice concept, but what are some practical ways that we can show some love to those who are our neighbors? And so I wanted us to kind of just look at these very quickly, these practical steps. Pray for them. Have a prayer list. Begin to pray for your neighbors. Pray for the people you work with. Pray for the people you go to school with. Pray for people. Pray for the ones working on your farms. Get up in the morning. Now, many of you probably already do it, but, but maybe it's to put a list down and just to specifically pray for those that are working on the farm today, especially those who are coming but don't know the Lord. To pray for them by name. You know, to look for ways that we can pray for people because it is in prayer that God opens up doors that were not there. God can open up people's hearts. God can open up conversations. But you know what God does more importantly when we pray for people? And I found this out a lot of years ago. God opens up my heart. And I'm looking for opportunities. Instead of I just got this to do today and I'm going here and I gotta do that and I got my list and all I gotta do. When I've taken time to pray for my neighbors, I'm looking for opportunities. I'm more aware of the Holy Spirit starts to soften my heart, not just their heart. And so pray for them. The other thing is, oh, heaven forbid. Stop and say hello. Now we say, well, now, Pastor, that's just normal in West Springs. Well, we're kind of waving at people, right? I joke and I say, you know, there's the Queen's way. Well, now we've got to say the King's way. I don't know what his way is like, but hers was like this. And we do that. We're so busy in our lives, we see somebody, we shout out, hey, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. That's not stopping and saying hello. <laughs> you know, it might take five minutes out of your day, or three, but to actually get up close to somebody, keep your six feet, <laughs> and get up close to somebody and say, hey, I've been thinking about you, how are you doing? Stop and say hello. Show interest in people. And it means, again, that we have to be doing this intentionally because life today is so busy. All of us can get so busy that a week can go by, a month can go by, and we realize that we haven't had that opportunity. And the Holy Spirit is going to direct your steps when you've been praying for them. Another opportunity to love our neighbor is to meet a tangible need. And so one of the things you can do is you can look for opportunities that maybe there's something they're going through. I, I know of times where I see a neighbor go and, and take the, 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 the compost bin and walk it up the long driveway for somebody. We got to meet, we got to meet a neighbor down in Shelton and we didn't realize who was doing this and finally one day he came up and he said, I've been doing this. The papers were left in our driveway in the winter and it's just a sign that somebody's not living there. And so he purposely picked up the papers and put them in the ditch and hid them somewhere that people wouldn't notice. An American gentleman that comes up and we got to meet him and thought, thank you for doing that. Like, that's just kind of neat that you did that and thought of us. And so I was looking for those tangible needs. Scrape the ice off somebody's window on a frosty morning. You know, I came out from work and I had workmates and I came out and my window was all cleaned. I would say, wow, that's kind of neat that somebody in, the, somebody in the office decided to do this for me. It's looking for those very tangible little things, a cookie that says, you know, I care about you and I love you. It's looking for those ways to do a, meet a tangible need. Now, the other is give a gift without 
expecting anything in return. There was a neighbor here that our first Christmas came up and brought us a, a, a gumdrop cake to give us a cake to say, you know, welcome, we're glad you're here, Pastor. And how much that meant to us that a neighbor would come up and give us a cake. And, and so it's, it's those realities, you know, of, of going up to somebody and, and, and doing a little gift for them, whether it's a cookie, whether at Christmas, uh, you know, it's, it's something that you thought of and you want to go to the door and just hand them a little something about uh, for Christmas. It, it, can be, it can be all kinds of things that you can do. It could be an extra treat from baking and you bake an extra loaf. A lot of you this Christmas, you're going to be doing your Christmas baking. Some of us go and purchase it. <laughs> I found out if I do Christmas baking, I eat it all, so I don't bake anymore. Um, and I used to eat bananas, but now I found out I'm allergic to them, so I don't even make banana bread anymore, which I used to do once in a while. But, you know, you can bake. Some of you are great bakers, and what would it do to double your recipe and make a couple extras and think of someone that you could drop that gift to their door? You can drop it on my door. Because <laughs> I don't bake anymore. Just joking. Just joking. I got a good old, uh, I got a good old fruitcake up in the freezer that I love to pull out. I'm one of those strange folks that loves fruitcake. Anyway, you know, maybe for some of us it's your garden and, and taking those things to that season of the year when your garden has surplus. And God puts on your heart, well, maybe that would be nice to give that to so-and-so. A pot of soup, and you make a bottle of it and pass it on to someone. There's lots of ways. Your ducks and chickens, you can just... There's, there's lots of ways that you can share that small gift. It doesn't need to be expensive. It can be inexpensive. Now, here's a big one that we have talked about over and over again. Invite. Invite people. You know, I read somewhere recently what they did, and I think it might have been connected with Love Atlantic. They had a s'mores party. That's kind of interesting. And, and so what they did is they invited neighbors into their backyard to have s'mores around the campfire. Now that's not too complicated, right? Especially now with the new celebrity cookies that already have the chocolate in the cookie. You just need to get a box of cookies, a bag of marshmallows, and get a fire phone. That's it. That's all it takes. It's not about what you do. I learned this in Switzerland. I, I love the way the Swiss would entertain. We would be invited over to Switzerland for coffee. You would show up for coffee. They would make the best coffee. Oh, the best coffee. And then on the table was a big bowl of whipped cream. And the big bowl of whipped cream was for your coffee. And you just stirred that up. And then they'd get a real good Swiss chocolate bar, open it up, crack it open on the coffee table, and that was coming for coffee. And I'll tell you, we had some of the best fellowship and the best times together in people's homes in Swiss stock. It's the fact that you're willing to open your life to somebody, open your home, open your backyard, look for ways that God would use you to invite people. Those are some practical ways. We think about Matthew, the tax collector. He meets with Jesus and has this transformation as Jesus calls him. What's the first thing he does? He puts on a dinner with fellow tax collectors, and Jesus is right there. <laughs> you see, it's those opportunities. And when you do all that, what you're doing is building relationship, and you're praying and asking the Holy Spirit to continue to give you opportunities to love on people and just be Christ to them and pray for them. And on that note, you know that I said at the beginning of the service, you're all invited to Shelton next Saturday morning at 1030.
as we want to continue to build relationships with you and with others. As I bring this to a close today, as I was a mission president for the Ontario District for quite a few years, I would go around the churches and do mission services, and as I would come in, several churches had this conflict, you know, and it goes on in the church still today. And so I'd be there, and they knew I was coming to speak on global missions, and so they were like, well, Pastor, you know, I don't understand this. I don't understand this emphasis in the Church of the Nazarene on global missions because, you know, there's our neighbors right next door. And, and don't you think instead of giving all this money over there, we should be giving it and using it right here? And, and then you get the other ones who are do or die Nazarenes that have been in the Church of the Nazarene a long time, and they know and heard the missionaries come, and they're like, well, we have missionaries that we're responsible for around the globe, and they've gone, and we pray, and we give so they can go. And so I could see this conflict in churches, and they would say to me, you know, what is it, Pastor, this one or that one? And finally, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit says to me, it's both. It's never been for God one or the other. It's always been both. It's God's desire that we continue to care for global missions. Anne and I, we're over a hundred and something years uh, uh, right now celebrating our mission movement within the Church of the Nazarene. God wants the nations to come to faith, and it's important that we continue to send missionaries. But you know, somehow for me sometimes it's easier to love my neighbor over there at a distance because I give an offering and I say a prayer, and then I'm done. When God would want us to love the people right here in West Prince. Don't give up one for the other. <laughs> but God would want us to do both. As the worship team comes, how's your gas gauge? Oh, I'm not getting into the price of gas right now. <laughs> oh, praise God for a hybrid that God brought our door <laughs> back last spring, and it was God. We've been driving it since May. So we're not complaining too much, but we know how bad it is. Because it's impossible for you to look down your gas tube and see how much fuel it contains, the manufacturers of cars have given you a gauge on your dashboard. Now, some of us should pay more attention to it than we always do. But in theory, right? That gas gauge ought to tell you what? What's in the tank. And so when the gas gauge is full, your tank is full. You know, sometimes they have to teach this to teenagers. <laughs> and when that says empty and it's close to the E, it means your tank is what? Empty. Right? And so that's the reason why you're given a gas gauge in your car. Did you know that God has a gauge? It's a gauge that measures your love. If you want to know how much you love God, that will be shown in the gauge by how much you love your neighbor. How much you love other people. And so I end today with this question. Is your love tank full? Or is it empty? Lord, we thank you today. I know these are good people here today that have gathered in your name because they love you. And they have been loved by you. 
And we have celebrated your love at this love feast today at this table. And even as I prayed and shared Pastor Mike's story, a little bit of my story I've shared over the years, and it's a love story. It's the greatest love story ever told. And each one of us who are in Christ have experienced the greatest love story ever told. And we are amazed at how you love us. We are amazed at what a good, good father you are, how you care for us, that you care about the fields, and you care about the size of the potatoes and the trucks and the good, good weather, and you care about those down at the pier and trying to bring in their nests. Do you care about that teenager going to school and that child that is sick today? And you care for us in such amazing ways. We're saying in the seniors' homes, does Jesus care? And yes, he does. And so we celebrate your love today, but the challenge today has not been that. The challenge today is now we have been empowered to experience that love, that there is to be a natural outflow of that love in and through our lives. And Lord, we can always do better on that. I know these are loving people, and I know and I hear the stories of all the amazing things that they do in the run of the week. But God, love is one of those things that we never get to a place where we arrive, where we say, well, that's it, I've done enough. But your love can just abound in these days. And so I pray now for the Elmsdale Church of the Nazarene that your love in us would abound, would flow in and out of this room and our relationship with each other, but it would begin to flow up and down in the streets of West Prince. And people would know the truth, and the truth would set them free, yes. And we would share the gospel, but we would share it with a heart that is broken and tears in our eyes. So God, I pray now in these practical steps in the days ahead that we will begin to pray. For some of us, it's to pray for people. For others, it's to look for that opportunity to share a gift. Maybe for some of us, Lord, it's to invite them into our home or our backyard. Whatever it is, Lord, you speak to each one of us individually in these days. And may people know your love in and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.